Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio and show number 437 in our weekly series. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're out there raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups are developing research, publishing case studies and shining a light on great practice. You can visit engageforsuccess.org to learn more and sign up for our weekly newsletter so you never miss out on any of our great free resources, events and updates. And I'm Andy Gorham your host for today's show and founder of BizJuicer, a consultancy that helps companies connect their purpose and proposition to their people, creating stickier, more successful businesses from the inside out. Now, I don't know about you, but I get a bit frustrated when things like employee engagement, workplace culture, company values and purpose get referred to as soft or fluffy things. Now, To me, this denigrates the importance and impact I believe they can have on businesses and the people who work within them. It also sort of suggests to me that they are somehow secondary to the strategic and financial aspects of running a successful company and intimates that somehow things like profit and purpose are disconnected or even unrelated. Now, I just don't see it like that and neither does my guest today. Elizabeth Latado is VP of Services at Sales Leadership Consultancy, McLeod & Moore, and co-author of Selling with Noble Purpose, How to Drive Revenue and Do Work That Makes You Proud. Now, the title of this book is a dead giveaway to the stance that Elizabeth takes on the relationship between she's enabled firms to drive employee engagement, competitive differentiation, and ultimately revenue. And today, we're going to dive into that connection and see just how it's done. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me, Andy. I'm so happy to be here. It's lovely to have you here. I absolutely love this topic. I'll be honest, it's a bit of a trigger for me. So I'm really looking forward to discussing it with you and, and hearing about what you think about it. Um, but could I just ask you to just tell us a little bit more about what you do and a little bit more about McLeod and more? Sure. So you and I share that trigger. I'll give all of our listeners a little bit of a preview on where this is going. (laughs) McLeod and Moore, where I work, is a sales leadership consultancy. So we help sales-driven organizations and sales leaders drive revenue and do work that makes them proud. And we do that with consulting, with advising, and also with training. Brilliant. So look, let's, let's start at the beginning, shall we? What do you see as the relationship between profit and purpose. And maybe what do you see the, the benefits are of any kind of link between the two of them? I think the two are so fundamentally linked. And unfortunately, they're often viewed as a false dichotomy. Like you either have profit, you know, you sell your soul to make a dollar, or you have purpose. You, you know, earn no money, you give everything back, and you, you die on this noble endeavor. But I do think the two are inextricably linked. And there's a quote that I want to share that really sums this up so nicely. It's a quote out of the book, uh, Thou Shall Prosper. And this mm. is what it says says, take out a dollar bill and look at it. Now pat yourself on the back because you're looking at a certificate of performance. If you didn't rob or steal for that dollar, 
if you didn't defraud anyone for that dollar or persuade your government to seize it from a fellow citizen and give it to you, you can only get it one other way. You must have pleased someone. And when I think about the relationship between purpose and profit, that's exactly how I feel about it. Profit is a reward for pleasing someone, be it a customer, a colleague, your boss, someone in your community. The purpose and profit connection is so strong. I think it is. I mean, I, I think recently Cantor came out and said something like, there's a 175% value increase difference between purposeful businesses and others. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a big old number, right? So the benefit of doing this stuff, I don't know, it seems obvious to me, but there is always a struggle between, I guess, this long-term purpose view and short-term results that CEOs face into right on, on an everyday basis. Um, when, when we think about this, and I mean, if there's any time to talk about purpose with everything that's been going on over the past few years, it feels mm-hmm. like it's a good time to talk about it today. But I don't know about you, Elizabeth, but it always seems to get a bit conflated with having to save the world when you talk about purpose. Now, when you talk about purpose, and particularly when you're talking about selling with a noble purpose what do you mean how do you define it i define purpose as the difference you're making and we so often fall into this trap just as a a human species in general to minimize our own impact oh it's no big deal oh it's just this it's not really that important but the reality is the ripple effect of those seemingly small actions is often so profound even if you're not an ER doctor or a public school teacher or the, the visual we think of when we think about saving the world. You know, you referenced the last couple of years, and I think what's happened is what my business partner, Lisa, and I, McLeod, are referring to as a great rethink. People have been forced to reflect in a way we as a collective humankind have never been forced to do together before. Everyone, much like you would if you experienced the death of a parent, a health scare, a job loss, everyone at the same time is thinking, why am I here? How am I spending my time? And does my work really matter? And when you're putting 40, 50, 60 hours a week into a job, it's only natural those questions start to be asked of what you do on a daily basis. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if you think about it, it's the fourth circle in the Japanese Ikigai model, right, of trying to find meaning and purpose. And Right now, why, why should it be at odds? Why should it be out there? And I think you're simplistic, and I don't mean that in a rude way, or a definition of your effect on somebody and your positive right. effect on somebody. I think that's, that's fine and simple to understand. But why do you think there still remains? And may, well, maybe it's just me. I hope it isn't, but maybe it, maybe it is. Why do you think there is such a disconnect between profit and purpose with some people and and businesses well we know it's not just you i mean i think a few that <laughs> that perceived disconnect is some of the reasons why we're seeing the research you cited earlier people are on a quest to explore this relationship and to do it in a really quantitative way which i certainly appreciate but i think one of the reasons we fall into this trap sometimes of the false dichotomy between purpose and profit is The narrative of business, historically, mm, 
in the last 50 years or so, has not been a particularly noble one. We had the Milton Friedman, you know, shareholder primacy. The purpose of a business is to deliver value to shareholders. Businesses often behaved in a way that was less than noble, prioritizing short-term profits over long-term value creation for both their customers, employees, and communities. So I think that narrative has stuck with all of us to some degree and left us with this kind of trepidation around, can business truly be a force for good? Yeah, and I so agree with that. And I just wonder whether some of the issue has been how purpose has been defined, how well-rooted in what the business actually does is the business's purpose. You know, Can it connect to the people in what they really do on a day-to-day basis? At the end of the day, not everybody in their place of work can cure cancer, um, can we? I mean, it just, it just doesn't work that way. Um, So I do wonder about that reality check behind it. Not everyone is curing cancer, but the world has a lot more that needs to happen than curing cancer. That's certainly a noble thing, but we need infrastructure, we need education, we need all of these, you know, millions and millions of services and goods that people are providing on a regular basis. And when we put this granular thinking around purpose and think, it can only be, you know, one of four or five of these noble professions. I think that's really limiting thinking. So when we think about purpose and back to the simple definition, which I do take as a compliment of the difference you're making, purpose can be found in almost every role. Yeah, 100%. And, and arguably, coming back to that disconnect of I don't, this long-term, short-term juggling, um, mm-hmm. arguably, Shareholders will get more sustainable returns over the long term if you're a purpose-driven business, right? If you allow the time, the space to uh, fathom out what that, what that purpose is that can really connect with the people inside it, is really rooted in what you do and has some worth without being worthy, then it looks to me like the evidence would suggest you're in for a much smoother ride as a shareholder rather than this kind of jerky, up-and-down, nervous, frightening uh, pursuit of quarterly results. And the research bears that out as well. There was some great research by Jim Stengel who studied what he called the Stengel um, 500 purpose-driven brands versus just their transactional counterparts. And what he found was that purpose-driven brands, when it comes to financial performance, were not immune to things like the recession. Part of his research took place in 2008 to 2010. They weren't immune from market conditions. So this isn't some rosy pie in the sky. You know, you'll never face any kind of setback if you have purpose. But those purpose-driven brands bounced back so much faster. They came roaring back because they had captivated the hearts and minds of their teams and customers, everyone knew there was a reason for being beyond this quarterly target. So when the quarterly target didn't pan out, instead of throwing their hands up and saying, we failed, they doubled down on how they were making a difference. And that drove their financial performance. Yeah. Trying to find that, let's not shy away from the the word emotion, but finding that emotional connection between what drives the people within the business and drives the business itself, I mean, that's, that's alchemy. That's magic, I think. When you find that link, um, to your point, turning up for work, knowing that there's something bigger than what you, 
what's described in your job description is a, is a mm-hmm. is a great thing. And look, having seen it firsthand, when you when you talk to people about a purpose for a business and how their role applies to it, they 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 view their own role differently. Their their behaviour, their demeanour changes, and you you start to walk towards that nirvana of people willingly giving all of themselves. Um, to this cause, which is what we were looking for, I guess, when we think about it. Um, you mentioned the word transactional, and, and that's, I guess, a phrase that, that comes up when you think about your your book in that you're not thinking about uh, the transactional process of sales, but you're trying to sell with noble purpose. Can I ask you, when it came to that book, what was the inspiration behind it and why that title? The inspiration behind Selling with Noble Purpose was actually a study our founder, McLeod Moore, Lisa McLeod, did in the uh, pharmaceutical industry. And the study was to define the difference between good performers and top performers in sales. Mm-hmm. What were the top performers doing differently? And in sales, it's super easy to quantify who's a good performer and who's not, right? Like, it's all in the numbers. Um, and what she found through that study was, you know, they looked at how many questions do the, the top performing salespeople ask. They looked at, you know, how well do they know the product? How well do they handle objections? What do they negotiate like? And what she found was that there was a factor playing into their performance that wasn't originally identified. And it was that sense of purpose, the belief that they were there to make a difference for their customers. So those salespeople who sold with a sense of purpose, they outperformed the salespeople who were focused on their own targets, their own quotas, even their own product, because they had this bigger picture thinking. They were in it for something greater than themselves. And that's where that word noble comes in. And at first, and that it was found intrinsically, people showed up with their own sense of motivations. But what we've studied over the last 10 years and what we've implemented with hundreds of organizations is how you can foster that feeling in someone, how you can show someone that the conversations they're having, that the relationships they're building, and ultimately the products and services that they're selling are having a noble ripple effect out into the world. I mean, even if you think about it, the old traditional phraseology of go get a sale versus go make a difference must just provoke entirely different behavior, right? Absolutely. And and we started this conversation talking about, you know, some of the narrative of business and the dangers of shareholder primacy. The same Mm. is true in a sales interaction in the micro. Which person would you rather have showing up to, to call on you? Someone who's thinking, I need to close this because I need to hit my quota or someone thinking, you know, how can I make a difference to Andy? What's Andy going through? How can I help? It shows up in a million micro ways. And when we think about purpose in the book you referenced um a process you use to to find and and link a a purpose can you maybe give us an overview of that sure so in the book we reference what we call the three discovery questions which are to jumpstart your thinking around what is your purpose and the questions are these how do i make a difference how do i do it differently and on my best day What do I love about my job? And in there, you will start to see the seeds of your purpose. You'll start to see the impact you're making and the ripple effect that you're having. But it's a long process. And I think a lot of times people 
believe that they have to have the perfect statement or they have to go through, you know, burning man or whatever kind of self-reflection journey. <laughs> but I would suggest that you can start to see in, in true color the impact you're making on a daily basis if you only start to look for it. You don't need to take months off from your job or start this insane journaling process to feel more purpose and meaning at work. And so have you, have you found your purpose in, in, in doing this and in what you do? Meta question. Well, my purpose and our organization's purpose is actually the subtitle of Selling with Noble Purpose, helping leaders drive revenue and do work that makes them proud. It goes right back to that purpose and profit connection. Without driving revenue, an organization can't exist. It is the truth of business. And without doing work that makes you proud, the odds of driving revenue sustainably are quite low. Yeah, I think this is the thing, right? This 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 connection, this the the trigger we talked about at the start. This is what irks me when people want to separate them out. Like um to me it's akin to someone saying to me, "Yeah, Andy, we'll come and do some of this employee engagement stuff once we've sorted out the numbers." Um to mm-hmm. me, they are bedfellows, right? They 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 come together. And actually, arguably, purpose is the thing that sustains the profit and generates the profit in the long term. Do um, you think the same or, or slightly different? I do think the same. And something we talk about in Selling with Noble Purpose is the difference between a leading indicator and a lagging indicator. What drives the business versus what is the output of the business? And so often we're trapped in conversations around purely lagging indicators, purely outputs, things like revenue, things like closed deals, things like share price. But the things upstream, the leading indicators, how engaged are people, how are our conversations going, how deep are our relationships we have with our customers, those are the things that drive the business. They're harder to quantify, of course. They're more qualitative indicators, but they are the root force behind the machine at the end. They are. And I just want to come back to, uh, you just triggered, <laughs> I'm overusing the word trigger. I apologize. Um, I'm on the list. Well, it's okay. We're triggered. <laughs> When you were talking about um, people trying to uh, have the perfect tagline or whatever when they're thinking about mm-hmm. purpose, I mean, for, for, as a guy who kind of runs workshops and stuff to find this stuff, I'm always interested to talk to other people who do, do the same because this is not an easy conversation for some people. This is this right. is this is real deep reflection for some people, and it it doesn't come easy. It's it's quite. It can be quite tiring and quite exacting. Is that the same in your experience with, with people? I, I often find people walk into one of these workshops thinking this is going to, why are we here for a day? Uh, this is going to take five minutes. And they're exhausted <laughs> come the end of a session because they just haven't had to think like that before. And um, Do you have similar experiences? It is certainly a different way of thinking, especially if you've been in business for a long time. And I think one of the reasons that it's so exhausting, and I I agree, it can be very tiring, is that it requires some degree of vulnerability, which is something not a lot of us are used to. I also think it can be somewhat threatening, something I've seen in my work, to start the purpose conversation and to self-reflect on all of the times that you didn't experience that. That can be a sobering reality for people, one that, that can leave you feeling kind of emotionally drained. Because if you believed for your whole life that work was nothing but a paycheck, you know, it's a nine to five, you do it to provide for your family, that's fine. And then 
you know, 20 years later, 30 years later, some guy or, or woman in a workshop tells you that you need a purpose at your work, it, that can be a smack in the face for a lot of people. But I do think there's no time like the present and people are more open to this conversation now than they ever have been. I think that's true. And I am a big fan of uh, Professor Zach Mercurio, who talks a lot about significance and mattering. And he, to me, has a really nice way of looking at it because there's, you always get the paycheck um, argument, right? People have yeah. to work for money. But he always thinks about it as the meaning of work, get a paycheck, versus the meaning in work. And, and how it makes you feel and what effect you'll have and how you're working with others and what effect you're having with others. And I really, really like that. I think that that then starts to kind of help get rid of that argument a bit, really. Um, I love from that. My perspective. Really yeah, he's, he's so he's super good. And he's clearly got the greatest name ever invented in the world. Um, <laughs> that, that That's the name I would go after in a heartbeat. But anyway, enough of my silliness. Um, So you've taken... um guys through this process and successfully can you tell us maybe um any stories from clients where you know companies have really got to grips with this they've they've really made a success of driving sustainable profitable growth after they have found some meaning and some purpose to kind of really drive into absolutely so let me tell you a story of a u.s-based company called foundation support works they're in okay. the construction business, concrete more specifically. So when we think about ER doctors, public school teachers, they all have purpose. These people harness the power of purpose in a construction industry. They're mucking out basements. So if they can do it, so can you. Here's how the story yeah. goes. So Foundation Support Works is a foundation repair company based out of Omaha, Nebraska. And if you've ever dealt with a contractor, a foundation repair contractor, you will probably experience, provided it wasn't Foundation Support Works, that it wasn't great. They have a terrible reputation of, you know, giving you bids that you don't need, upselling you things that don't make sense, not showing up, showing up late, it's over budget, they leave a mess in your house. The industry as a whole leaves a bunch to be desired. So Foundation Support Works said we're going to do things differently. Our purpose is to redefine. Our purpose is to redefine what it means to be a contractor, our purpose is to redefine what it means to be in this industry, and our purpose is to redefine how people experience contractors in their home. So they set out with that noble purpose. They told stories about all of the ways they've redefined. They pushed themselves in meetings to say, is this a default way of thinking, or how can we redefine this? How can we bigger, bolder? They hired people who were all in for redefining. They talked about what that meant. And over time, they started to see the emotional center of the business change. Now, this was already a really great company. They were doing good work and hiring good people. But what they saw with the power of purpose was it elevated the conversation. With that rallying cry between the people, they were able to attract even greater talent. They're now a top place to work, even for millennials, again, in Omaha, Nebraska, in construction. And they've been able to scale their business wildly successfully, especially over the last several years, because they always come back to that noble purpose. How are we redefining? And so even with a great example like that, I mean, if you can find purpose in concrete, like you say, there's hope for everybody. But when you're starting that process, when you're, when you're going through, and I love that image of, 
elevating the conversation. Does everybody get it at the start, or are you still dealing with different groups of commitment at that stage? I'm just really interested to sort of hear, um, yeah, hear a little bit more about that. So not everyone, quote, gets it at first, and that's fine. This is a different mm. way of thinking. This is something that takes time to digest, especially in the construction industry. This is a rough and tough business. You know, when you sure. talk about things like, let's, you know, all find our purpose and tell stories to each other, you are not <laughs> met with overwhelming receptivity the first time. But it does work. And if folks are listening to this thinking, well, I, I think business should be purpose-driven. I have a purpose. But all these EORs around me, you know, all they care about is the quarterly target or the to-do list, whatever. The strategy we always take is to make purpose an and conversation, not an instead of conversation. This is not undoing everything else. It is adding to it. And that makes it a lot more invitational for people to hop aboard. 100%. And I'm, a, I'm also a great fan of going where the energy is to try and create a movement around these things. Yes. And, Play to um, <laughs> yeah, because how often do we, when we talk about these things, do people go, well, you know, we've got this group of guys to turn around and all the effort and energy goes into trying to turn those guys around where you're just wasting and allowing all that kind of real strong, positive energy that's waiting for this stuff just to sort of leak out the door. Um, so I'm a massive believer that, you know, go where the energy is, you know, really maximize that, create that, create that bow wave to, you know, almost like a tidal wave. You're either going to have to swim and come with us or you will drown at the end of the day, which maybe is where the metaphor goes a bit wrong. But you get my, <laughs> my drift, right? You get, you get my drift. I, I get the drift. Maybe they won't drown. Maybe they'll, they'll miss an opportunity to experience yeah, that's a much better way of work. But I agree with you. We play to the top of the room. The middle will catch up and the bottom has a choice to make. And is there anything... Do you ever sort of get to a point in the discussions where there's like an aha moment or a trigger again to sort of find that way? Is is that a palpable moment that you see when you're running these these processes where the room suddenly gets it or is it a more iterative um, process? I think sometimes there can be a moment, especially in an organization like a startup or a new team. But I think more commonly it's an iterative process and it happens mm. over time in a thousand micro interactions. People show up a little bit differently to a meeting. They tell a story instead of talking about the product, they talk about how the product made a difference. It's all of these small moments that together shift the emotional center of the business. So a lot of times I think when it comes to purpose, people are like waiting for the mic drop moment. If it doesn't happen, they feel like it's not working but over time, if you look back, you'll see it working in a thousand small moments. And that's why the end state is completely different. That's such a great point. And I think this is the one of the, the, the difficulties with this topic is I think people are looking for a tagline. And ultimately, this is about behavior change. And yes. this is about long-term behavior change. And uh, the job isn't done where you find a line. It's just started. It's just started. Um, and so if you were going to give any advice to the guys listening today on finding and I know even trying to get others to, to come on board and convince them that this is the way forward, what, what advice could you give them, Elizabeth? What hope could you give them? I'd say lead with an open heart. 
both to other people and to yourself. You know, we talked about waiting for the mic drop moment. We talked about all of the research behind why purpose-driven organizations outperform their transactional counterparts. And you can go shouting that from the rooftops. But without an invitational open hand, no one's going to hear you. So lead with your own vulnerability and lead with what's possible. Yeah, I'm a big believer in practicing this stuff rather than preaching it. I think let others preach about what you do. You go ahead and practice, and then plenty of people will talk to you about it. Plenty of people will have things to say. Um, I think I think that's why companies maybe like Patagonia and stuff are such great examples because they just get on doing it, right? They do the, all that great stuff. They work really hard for it. They're completely driven by it. But they don't they don't do loads of self promotion about it. It's everybody else. It's people like me talking about them. I agree with that. And so often we see organizations, you know, slap a purpose statement on the website and call it a day. But to your point, it really is just the beginning. It's all about mindset and behavior. And that's so true. And that is a lovely way to sum up the advice. We're talking about practice, don't preach. And we're talking about behavior change in the long term. And that is fantastic. And actually, just about all we have time for today. And, and that time has flown so fast, Elizabeth. I can't tell you. Listen, everybody, don't forget to visit engagewithsuccess.org to check out the show notes and get hold of all of our fab free employee engagement resources. And you can also go there and download or stream any of the great shows from our archive at your leisure, including this one. So it just leaves me to say thank you very much, Elizabeth, for sharing your thoughts on this important topic today. Really appreciate that. Thanks for having me, Andy. It's been an absolute pleasure, and it's been lovely to speak to someone who's got the same triggers as me when it comes to purpose. We'll be back again at the same time next week. I'm Andy Gorham, and thanks for listening to the Engage for Success radio show. Engage for Success radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.